0: welcome to scars to stars where conversations and personal stories let us know we are not alone in this show you will meet authors and speakers from our books and events as they share vulnerable personal stories to spread hope and inspire you through adversities in your own life the world is a difficult place you will find like-minded people here with kind hearts and supportive souls I am your host, Dina Brown-Mitchell. I am a suicide survivor and the founder of the Realize Foundation. I am so glad you are here. Let's dig into this meaningful conversation. Hi, everybody. It's Dina with the Realize Foundation. And today we're talking about communication with your teens. And so I'm going to introduce Terry Lee to you. She is a a communication coach for moms. And I'm going to let her explain a little more about what she does. Thanks for being here, Terry.
1: Oh, thank you for having me, Dina. And thank you, all of you, for showing up and caring so much about your uh, kids as you do. Um, I'm Terry Lee, like she said. And my um, mission is called Rise Above the Silence. And what we do is help moms of teens in particular to dive in and address the communication and the relationship that they're having with their teens which is causing that silence in their homes which we know at times can be deafening um, things like you know door slammed and uh, eyes into phones and headphones on and those kind of things and that's why it's called rise above the silence because we want to help people rise above the silence in their homes and create connection with their, with their teens. And that's what I started. I've been doing this for a number of years, teaching and doing workshops and classes and really wanted to dive and just be able to reach more people because it's helped so many and um, provide this opportunity to do online um, challenges and courses and programs. So that's what I do um, rise above the silence and
0: how, Oh, Sorry, Go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna I was just gonna ask like what what got you on this path?
1: Okay, well, in um two thousand and six, uh, I'll do a short story. I uh, yeah. had a huge um, crisis in our family. We were heavily involved in some service and ministry, and my husband got real burned out, um, and we were just doing too much. Our homeschooling kids. You know, he was working full time doing all these things outside the home and, and helping people and family ministry and women's ministry. It was wonderful, wonderful stuff, but it was just too much. And so he had to step down. I stepped down. We pulled away. And what we discovered in the pulling away is that, um, which we probably knew all along, but our kids, our relationship with our kids was just really suffering. Um We were activities and you know sports and school and running everywhere and and still connecting both for the most part over dinners and things like that but more distance um angry words uh conflicts yelling <laughs> there were just all kinds of things going on that that weren't great about that same time I was introduced to a uh counselor friend of mine and um well has become a friend and She introduced me to a communication style that really embraced anchoring ourselves in who we are and our identity. And out of that, um, to start listening, to start communicating with the listening ear rather than trying to fix things or fix everybody and that sort of thing. And what it did for me is over the next probably three to five years, my kids at that point were like 16, 14 and 11, 12 ish and two daughters, and then a son, and I started to change. I started to listen more rather than trying to fix things, and I stopped judging so much, because there, I mean, I would have kids come home, especially one of my daughters, and she'd be upset, and um, just really angry and you know i confront her about not fulfilling some of her responsibilities, her chores, and then she'd just fly off the handle. And and eventually I started saying, Hey, what's going on? Did something happen at school? Like I was able to pull back enough and not feel that that flare up of um when we, you know, when we enter those years where um hormones are flying and things are shifting and like your child has changed overnight, you don't know who this person is. Like, what did you what happened to my child? Where'd they go? Um it's just very um it's fearful, right? Because you don't know what's going on. Uh I was feeling rejection. I was, oh my gosh, if they loved me enough, wouldn't they um do what I said? Wouldn't they follow through with those things? And I was finding that they were not. And so as I started to shift my communication with my kids, with my husband, things started to change. Things started to transform. Now, some of it got a little worse before it got better. But um, the amazing thing about this journey has been that I started to see the challenges, the problems as opportunities to make connection. And that's what really shifted us big time and i just started sharing it i started sharing about what i was learning i started doing some classes i started some small groups and people were really interested because they were struggling with their kids like i was and so that's been my heart is really to see families what i've seen in ours is that we don't we aren't all alike we don't all agree there's none of that you know we don't have any perfect people here we've had plenty of challenges but we have a way to connect. We have a way to communicate. We have a way to work through the conflicts when they come up. Um, and our kids have learned that and started to take that out now that they're all adults and in their own worlds. They started to take it into their workplaces and into their marriages and into raising their children, which is just, you know, super exciting because I grew up in a, in a um, home with a single mom and my grandparents. And... um we did not have a lot of connection. there was lots of love and care, but back in the sixties and and you know my mom I never knew my dad until uh, just actually in two thousand and eighteen that I found him. but there were lots of things that weren 't talked about. there was lots of things that were kept silent and um, although there was love, there wasn 't emotional connection, so I moved to perform well and to do well and to try to take care of everybody else. I also had Mom and grandfather that were alcoholic and and all those perfectionistic um, tendencies. And so it's just been so amazing to and I and I went to school in social work. OK, so I had some training and social work and communication but I don't know. I got married and had kids and I I don't know. That just kind of went out the door, um, to some extent. So it's been, um, deepening, not only of our relationships, but of my own self and who I am and figuring out who I am and that I'm okay. You know, and when I believe that I'm okay, I can listen and I can care and I let, I can let someone else unpack what's going on with them. And, um, I've just been enjoying it so much. And it's my passion is that families all get to have that opportunity. It's not all going to look the same, but we all have the opportunity to create connection and um, have those deeper relationships.
0: Absolutely. So if, if I, um, if somebody comes to you and says, you know, my teenager just won't talk to me. I don't know what's going on. I know You know, they just like you said. You wake up one day and they're a whole different person. And how do you how do you go about continuing the connection that you used to have, or getting it back? And Mm -hmm. I'm gonna let you talk about that for a while. Yeah. What steps would you um,
1: suggest? Okay. Um, Well, first, what we talk a lot about is what is what is it that you want what is your goal right because a lot of moms um we want our kids to talk okay but that's like that's great that's a great goal but when we start to talk to them and then they might start talking back to us sometimes they say things that we don't want to hear or that we don't agree with right and and then it gets really challenging to listen and just accept them for who they are. And that's what I find the most. Um, Moms are just so frustrated because they can't seem to get through to their kids and they want them to listen to them, but they also want them to talk. But the kids um, often will interpret things like sharing your great vast of wisdom and experience as giving a lecture and they're not good enough and mom, you don't believe that I can do it. You know, you don't believe in me. And so what we talk about a lot initially is what is that communication pattern that you have currently? Because if you're not connected, then something is causing that barrier. And uh, we'll do a little exercise on that a little bit later on that. But what is that pattern? For me, it was a fixer. I like To fix problems i spent you know i spent years with my kids protecting them training them fixing their problems helping them navigate things And, and we gave them a lot of independence as they got older i'm not i'm not saying we weren't like the helicopter parents um but at the same time that's the role i was in that's what i was used to that's what was comfortable for me and so when things started to shift and they wanted to be more independent and they didn't want to listen to everything I said and, and all of that, I had to begin to look at myself and go, okay, what am I doing? Let's back up here. And so that's really one of the first things is what is the pattern in your life, in your communication that could be causing them not to want to talk to you? And I know a lot of times moms like just want the kids to change and just want to the kids to be fixed. And I just haven't found that that that, that works. I mean, we can send our kids to counseling. We can do all kinds of great things, which are awesome. But when it comes down to it, it has to come back to us. It's like, how can we bridge that gap? So back to the goal, what became my goal was connection. My goal was connection with my kids. And that was the utmost goal It became less and less trying to get them what I wanted them to do. And more and more, how can I connect with you? You are most important. You are valuable to me. You are worth listening to. Your life and your thoughts and your opinions and your dreams, they're yours. And I want to value those and honor you in that. So that's really one of the first things we do is what's your goal? So I encourage parents to decide that goal is going to be the connection. I mean, connection is going to be the goal because that's what's going to help drive you the rest of the way when you come back to that. Um, that's, I think, the first step. you
0: want me to keep going? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, okay. I, think, I think you're right. And I think it's um, really important that, and I've I've talked to one of the other speakers about this, about how it is just building them up for a state of confidence for them to be able to um, function better in their circles and their friends and, and their influences that they're around. And so um, when we hear Daryl speak, we talk a little bit about that too, because he speaks about addiction and how the influence of, of that is hard. And so maybe there's, you know, maybe you've come across some people in your world that have, needed your help and and that's been a problem too. But I think it's very important what you're saying is is that we we do to I'm a stepmom, so I don't have children that lived with me full time. But I definitely have, you know, I've been a stepmom since my kids were seven and ten and now they're twenty seven and thirty. Wow. Um, and and like I said, they didn't live with me full time, but there were still times when I was like, I wish they would talk to me more. I wish they would tell me what was going on, but I didn't want to pry. And it was and, and as a stepmom, it's even harder, I think, because you don't have the same bond as you do with your with your own kids. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there might be stepmoms listening to this that <laughs> have yeah. have that situation as well. So yeah. Well, I, I think when you face that, I mean, there's the, the feelings
1: of rejection. There's the feelings of disappointment. There's the loss. And we do talk some about loss because you go in, you've spent all this time, you've invested, you've, you've raised, you've trained, or, or you're starting that process in the case of being a step parent. And, and it can be really, um, it can grieve our hearts right because we really wanted something different we expected we thought something would be different because now like I'm not a baby mom I have friends that are baby moms I'm like more the mom that as the kids the kids get older I, I do better I'm doing better with it now that I have grandkids <laughs> I'm becoming more of a baby mom but um, it was like oh yes you know even in the in the elementary obviously junior high ages but really into high school it's like oh my gosh we can do all these things we can do you know what I mean but they don't want to have so much to do with it unless it's Forced, right? It's like, oh no, we're all going to do this, which is that happens. That's going to happen sometimes. But um, just dealing with those feelings of rejection, being honest about them. Um, eventually, I got to a place where I was. I've been able, and I still do to this day. If if something happens between my kids and I, I said, you know, that kind of hurt my feelings. You know, I, I'm. I know that's not your intent, and I. I now that we have this relationship, I can use that kind of language like, OK, I know this isn't your intent, Um, but this is how I felt. And I've had my kids say, Mom, I don't need you to fix it. I just need to vent. <laughs> and so and now I mean, I'm not in tears anymore after that, although for a while that was kind of hard. It's like, oh, you know, it's like, OK, OK, I'll just listen. I pray. and sometimes oftentimes now I catch myself even with my husband or, or even other friends when I You you have such a passion and a heart for them. And that's why I think parents, um, we can just kind of be pulling our hair out and, and, and just that remembrance. It's like, this is out of love for our kids. This is out of wanting to have the best for them. And that's why I'm just like, not about guilt, shame, and condemnation, because that doesn't do any of us any good. It's like, we really do have our kids' best intent. We just all come with our own issues that when those communication patterns come up, what we found is those are usually connected to past experiences or traumas or whatever that we've experienced and we've learned how to deal with things. Um, Or we're dealing with fear. A lot of times that's where judgment comes in when a, when a teenager starts talking about this very alternative opinion that they have, or um view that they have, or experience they want to do. And it's not what we think they should do, um, automatically I would I would judge, right? And or I would judge feelings. That one's just really, oh, you don't really feel that way. I did that. I mean, just to be honest, my daughter was expressing feelings of depression. And mom, I think I need help. And and I didn't know how to deal with that because that was out of my wheelhouse. I hadn't been depressed before. Or if I was, I didn't really know it. And and it was scary, right? So I tried to cheerlead her out of that, like, oh, no, that's not, you know, life is hard when you're a teen and all this kind of thing. And, and, um, and just tried to talk her out of it. And it's just that didn't work very well, because she still felt bad. Eventually another incident happened and she did take a lot of Tylenol and we had to go to the hospital and, you know, it it turned out we, you know, did some counseling. She, She wasn't really trying to end her life, but she was definitely trying to stop that pain, right? And so it was a big wake up call that, okay, wait a minute, I need to pay attention to feelings and as uncomfortable as I am, because I just shared my history, right? We don't talk about feelings and emotions in my house growing up. It's all stuffed down, it's you know whatever, and um even though I had the training, I had all the stuff, but that part of me took over, and then the fear, and I didn't let her be okay with her feelings, you know, so anyway i guess I guess I might have digressed there a little bit, but Just being able to deal with those emotions and being community. I think community is one of those awesome things you do um, in your program with other moms so that you realize you're not alone. You know, you're not alone in this. And um, just really taking the attitude of that connection. I'm gonna push toward or not push, but I'm gonna pursue connection. I'm going to nurture the relationship. I'm not going to wait until they get older because I find that a lot of those things that we heard, oh, you just got to get through the teen years or, oh, it'll get better when they move out. That's not what I'm finding. I'm 60 now and I've got, I live in a 55 plus community and there's families that parents that don't even talk to their kids and barely see their grandkids because they thought it would get better and the kids pushed away more, parents didn't change and so you're left with the same place that you are. So what's beautiful about the teen years is they're in your home still, generally speaking, and you have opportunities to change yourself and change the trajectory of your relationship. And I think the most powerful thing is being willing to give that invitation to our kids to say more. Um, Believing that there is hope. Releasing those patterns of communication that don't work that we talked about it just opens more doors to communication and seeing the problems that we encounter as an opportunity for connection rather than um, a roadblock or something that you just can't deal with or I'm done. You know, I hear a lot of moms who say that I'm done. It's like, no, don't be done. Don't be done yet. Just start listening. Right. So we do a lot of work in in our own identity um being secure in who we are, and then just going through really basic communication skills that a lot of people probably already know. But what I found the core is the anchoring in our identity, because then I can go into a difficult conversation with whoever it is. And because, like I said earlier, I, I know I'm okay. This is not my problem, because a lot of times we want to take the problems on and then fix them, right? Like they're ours. But this is this is their problem, and I just I love this. Um, Danny Silk is an author that I love, and he I remember hearing his stuff years ago. It's like our kids are geniuses; they are wired to figure things out. And bringing back in what you were saying, Dina, about um, that confidence in who they are—that they can figure it out—I just think is really powerful.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's also scary as a teen when maybe you have ideas or driven in some way that is something different than what your parents want you to do. Yes. (laughs) And you know, like my dad always wanted me to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer person. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really want to do that. And so I ended up going to architecture school, which he was happy about, but it was like trying to figure out for myself, like, what do I want to do? What am I interested in? And, and also feeling like I didn't want to let him down. Mm. So like, maybe that's another situation you could give some people advice around because it's like you're in a, as a parent, you want to guide the person. Mm-hmm. the child, the teenager, young adults, you want to guide them in a, in a productive, successful manner. But you also, like we talk so much in mental health, it's like, sometimes people just need someone to listen mm-hmm. and to really understand them instead of telling them how to fix something, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's
1: powerful. Cause we, yeah, that's, I'm glad you brought that up because we do a lot of that about going into conversations with the connection as your goal and with curiosity to learn and to understand um, really big thing understanding over agreement right because when agreement is our goal and we can't get it, where do we go? I mean we're kind of stuck right there's no no one's willing to budge, and so We um, really impress upon moms, especially. It's like, go in with curiosity. Um, I found that I have more influence in my kids' lives now because I took the time to listen and stepped back and honored and encouraged them in their thoughts and their opinions. And, oh, what brought you to that decision? Just open-ended kind of questions. Um, how did you start thinking about that? Right? You know, I mean that uh, we've been talking about that a lot since covid, since there's a lot of division in families over things that were going on and it's like instead of arguing your point, which doesn't really make anyone happy, just find out, go in curious. I'm just really curious what brought you to that decision. That is a great question to ask. Again, you got to breathe. <laughs> you got to remember your goal. You got to you got to remember what is it that you ultimately want and for us it was we wanted our kids to be able to think for themselves to be responsible right to know how to navigate the challenges of life and now they can begin to approach things with curiosity and with their own kids and with the people that they interact with Um, it's hard when you really want someone to do something and we had that happen my husband really wanted my middle daughter to um, go to accounting school, that was you know and and she sort of wanted to do it, but as it went further, she was like talking about getting you know quitting school, right? and so that wasn't so that wasn't so good. We just kept encouraging her on and and this is one that probably um, my husband and her had quite a discussion at one point um, or in our kitchen that was got pretty intense. And uh, she was just so frustrated with him. This was a little bit before the college years, but I think I'll share it briefly just because it made such an impact for later on is um, she would just be angry, right? She'd be frustrated. Someone would hurt her feelings. Some, something was going on. And then we would come down on her. And then she would not always dress the way that we were really happy about her dressing and and didn't always know how to handle those conversations. Except Go change. That's not appropriate, blah, blah, blah. And um, it came down to another one of those situations. My husband happened to be home when her and I were getting it into it and he stepped in. And whenever that happened, it was like, Oh, you know, it was a little crazy and it got heated and she, he said something like, well, I don't understand. What are you thinking? You know? And, and she said, well, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. And she screamed mm-hmm. that. Right. And It was like this knife into his chest, right? Because we really did love our kids. (laughs) We were just uh, struggling. And he stopped. And he said, he explains it like it was just a dagger in my chest. But I took a breath and I said, I am hearing you say that you hate me. Do you want to say any more about that? And... That took everything he said at that point to be able to say that and to give her the invitation, the judgment free invitation to say more about her anger towards him and her hatred towards him. Right. So that started this conversation where she describes it as. It's like the heavens opened up and I had a voice and you know what I mean? So she went on for a while, what she hated, you know, and, and, and it was things like, you know, I never feel like I'm good enough. I, I don't do anything right. You're, you're never approving of me, it all that kind of thing. And, and it ended in like him just really apologizing and saying, that is not what my intention was, right? That was the beginning of, for them, what paved the way to at least have these conversations and and become they're very close today, so these conversations about I don't really want to do this, Dad, and it's like we would listen to her and we would hear her and we would say, Well, you know, you're I mean, literally, she was like a year left, right? <laughs> you know, and she maybe it was even a semester. It was a year to a semester, and she got married, and and we just really encouraged her to stick it out. Now she uses it in her entrepreneurial businesses. You know, now it wasn't, you know, it was, I think she ended up switching to a sustainability business degree. She didn't do accountability. I'm accounting accounting. I'm not sure how you say that for the, for the major, but she did make that shift and we were in supportive of her and that we really just wanted her to finish because she was so far in and she had paid for part of it. So um, just remembering this is their life. Right. And, the more we can support them and give them that room. This is really the key. I guess this is the crux of it. Giving them space and room to unpack what's going on in their hearts and in their minds and in their thoughts and not reacting to it and just listening and inviting them to say more. And um, and then as you get more into that, you do that more, then you can start asking questions like, huh, you know, I I experienced something similar. Would you be interested in hearing you know, about that. And so we ask our kids for permission to um, to speak into their lives or to give our perspective. And most of the time now they say yes. So on occasion they'll say no, but most of the time they'll say yes. Doesn't mean they're always going to do what we want them to do or what we would see them doing, right? <laughs> but actually it's turned out better sometimes on their decisions than what we would have seen for them. So I, I don't, hopefully that's a very long way to answer your <laughs> answer your question, but um really the curiosity the invitation to say more realizing this is their life and maybe they're just struggling in a class maybe they're struggling with a roommate the issue is not usually the issue and i don't know if you guys ever talk about that but it's it might look this way on the surface but there are some things down under deep that are driving what's going on and if we don't listen if we don't kind of feed it back to them make sure we're tracking with them and and invite them to say more we're not going to get to that deep issue and they might just keep it to themselves and they might not get to an issue that's floating around there that they they don't even realize so
0: i agree with that approach with every human no mm. matter what their absolutely. age is absolutely yeah <laughs> we do it
1: in all relationships but my
0: focus right now is moms at teens but yeah, yeah it's definitely but i think i think in mental health it's really important too to not try to fix and, and, and really listen and ask questions. And um, I feel like that's important in everything, even, even in business conversations, you know, like, it's just a a very valuable thing. If you really want to understand and you really want to get to the heart of something. Mm -hmm. So it's, and it it might be even harder with, with kids because they don't always want to tell you something that they know you're not going to like.
1: Well, yes. And that's why you have to create that safe space, right? That environment where they feel comfortable coming to you, that they're not afraid that you're going to condemn them or try to change their mind or, and that takes time. I mean, I I really encourage parents to start small, (laughs) you know, start with the the conversation in the car, in the car. If you're picking someone up from school and they start talking, rattling off about whatever with their friends and, And um, I have one of my clients that uh, shared this story where she picked her up, her daughter from school. I think she was probably 13 at the time, uh, eighth or ninth grade. And um, she started going off about something that had happened with a friend and, it was everything for her to keep her mouth shut, you know? Cause she's like, she's thinking, well, what did you do? What did you say to them? What did you cause? You know what I mean? That kind of thing. I used to do that type of thing with my kids. Like it must've been your fault that they reacted that way. And um, she said it was everything. And she said, Oh, she said, Oh man, that must've been hard. Do you want to say more about that? And then she, her daughter just kept going and she just kept inviting her. She never said anything else. And her daughter, um, finished her, you know, unpacking of it. And she goes, well, thanks for listening, mom. You know, that's really what parents are for. And she was dumbfounded, right? <laughs> that it one, that it worked and that her daughter was like, yeah, this is what I want you for. And that's, our kids need us. Like you said earlier, like to build that confidence, to know that they can make it in the world, to know that they have a place and people that are going to support them wherever they are and whatever they're doing. Even if we don't agree, now I'm not saying life and death matters. I mean, there's you know there's always going to be some kind of exceptions to that. But in general, if we show up and listen to our kids, they're going to start talking. You know, and it might take a while. It might take a lot of listening for a while, but they're going to start talking because then they're going to believe that we really want to hear them
0: and that we believe their voice is important. So that is true. Right. Well, thank you, Terry, for sharing your expertise and knowledge around this subject because it's um, it's just so important that we can, you know, that parents and kids can communicate in a more effective way. And I think it's paramount to all of our mental health to do so. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So would you like to tell everybody how to find you?
1: Yeah, you can go to um, Rise About the Silence. I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook. Um, You can reach out that way. I'd be happy to, you know, book. you can book a call with me or um, just do one of the programs. I'm going to be doing uh, some mini, little mini challenges, uh, workshops this month of June and then a longer workshop. And you can join on that and I can send you information.
0: So that'd be awesome. Awesome. And just so everyone knows, we are putting together a landing page for this event that will have all of the links and anything from the speakers that you are you will be looking for. So we'll be putting that in the chat during the event and we'll have a QA right right now. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy you joined us for this conversation. My wish is that you found comfort and hope in your own unique situation. If you resonated with our message, please head over to the Realizedfoundation.org where you can apply to write your own story in one of our books. You can also download our 60 Ideas for Self-Care on the resources page. I can't wait to hear from you. Until next time, you are not alone, you are worthy, and you are enough.